Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. I am your host, Richard Saman, better known as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. This episode is a really exciting one. I'm just going to go down the line of the NCAA tournament teams and just kind of identify some draft sleepers who, depending on how deep into the draft, they may not be mainstream, um, you know, traditional sleepers as in guys that are plus 60 plus, but some guys who I think are just being overlooked by the general public. Uh, so you may have heard of some of these guys, but also hoping to introduce you to some new players who may sneak in as as low as some two-way contracts, maybe some summer league guys, basically guys you'll see in the future of the NBA one way or another. I think there's a lot of talent in this NCAA tournament pool. So going to go over that. Uh, that's pretty much what this entire episode is going to be. So let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Going to start with the Gonzaga region. That one, um, you know, Gonzaga is a, not really much to talk about. There's really no sleepers on the best team. Everybody knows who those guys are. So I'm going to jump down to the 5-12 seed, which is Creighton versus University of California, Santa Barbara. And that has two guys who I think they'll match up against each other, I believe, that are sleepers. And I, I don't know really either of them ever become rotational players. There's a decent chance, but... That starts with Creighton's Marcus Zagorowski. Crazy first step, really good shooter. I think for him, he needs one more year. But ultimately, he'll come back, and he'll be a nice second-round pick. I think next year he has a crazy quick first step, like I said, and um, just overall kind of fits that modern off-guard. So maybe someone will take a chance on him. And then on UC Santa Barbara, there's a kid, uh, if you're familiar with Jordan McLaughlin, uh, if you follow my guy Logan Alton, he's a huge Jordan McLaughlin fan. Um, Jordan's brother is on UCSB. His name is Ja'Cory McLaughlin. He's a really good playmaker. I believe he was the Big West player of the year. Just produces a lot. And the production alone is getting him NBA looks. So I think he's someone else worth watching in that first-round matchup. And that's someone who could really make his name as a senior on the NBA radars. Granted, he was a fifth-year senior. He had really solid numbers this year. He had 16 points per game, five assists, three rebounds, one and a half steal, and that was on 49% shooting and 40% from the three and 84% from the line. He does have a low release on his jump shot, but I do think it's overcomable with the 6'4 frame. He's just got a he's got a good body, and I think he's someone who you'll see at least in summer league for sure. So going on to the next one, you've got what I think could be an upset possibility. I think there's a lot of sleepers in this matchup, and that's Virginia versus Ohio. On the Ohio side, you've got Jason Preston, who is a 6'4 ball handler, really does it all on the offensive end, and he's a good rebounder. He runs the entire offense for Ohio, has the keys to the offense. And for me, he's a – and this is not a direct comparison, but he plays the same way, and, and you'll see it in the numbers when I read that, that he plays a lot like Lamella Ball just in the way he handles – he has an incredible understanding and control of the game. For the year, he averaged 16.5 points per game, seven assists, seven rebounds, and that was and one-and-a-half steals, excuse me, with 53% shooting, 41% from the line – or, excuse me, 41% from three, uh, and an alarming 40, 59% from uh, from the free throw line. I'm, I'm sorry for all those errors. But – Jason Preston overall is just a – he's a well-rounded player, and I think he is someone worth taking in that second round. He's only a junior, uh, decent frame with 6'4 body. At the very least, he's getting a two-way contract because guards who can produce that way 
just don't come around often. He had very similar numbers last year. The efficiency was over 50% yet again, which is hard for a guard, I think, to do, especially in college when everybody knows the ball is in your hands. So he's someone to watch. On the other end, Virginia has a few guys. I admittedly am not as high on all of the Virginia guys as a lot of uh, my draft Twitter counterparts are. So I'll start with the guy who I am highest on. I think Trey Murphy someone who, if you've looked at two-round mock drafts and you're not too familiar with the names yet, he is someone that you've probably seen on there. He's an athletic shooter. He transferred from Rice. He's 6'9", so he's he's got the body, and it checks out for that prototype. Um, you know, only had 11 points per game, three rebounds, but shot 50% at 43% from three. So you're looking at a 3 and D guy. Uh, with the good size, I think that's worth at the least a second round pick. And depending on what Virginia does, you know, recency bias does matter in the draft. Uh, and a lot of that stems from the NCAA tournament. So if Virginia gets to make any sort of run. It's hard in Gonzaga's region. Look for his name. And then the other guys you have to watch for, I'm a decent fan of Sam Hauser. Uh, not again, not as high on him as everyone else is. I think he's a quality second round pick. Shot 52% from the field and 43% uh, from three, kind of like a toned down Corey Kispert is someone is what I saw someone say, and at at the lightest level, that's a very true statement. So he's someone who I think will get drafted. They have two draftable guys. Uh, the third guy is a fringe guy who I I don't necessarily see his game translating, but he have, has incredible numbers and he controls the defense for Virginia. And that's Jay Huff. He you probably heard his name. He was good when Virginia won the title. Uh, he had a much lesser role, you know, only playing nine minutes a game. But when he was there, he was effective. Um, so he's a guy, he's a winner, has that Virginia kind of mentality of, you know, stingy defense. Um, and he can step out and shoot it, too. So that's why a lot of people are big on him. Again, personally, I'm just not there yet. I don't know if he can put it all together and produce on an NBA level. But he's going to get a two-way contract, and he could prove me wrong very easily. The next prospect I have in that region, in that Gonzaga West region, um, I'm going to skip over USC because we all know Evan Mobley. There's really no point in talking about that. Um, so I'm going to go to Kansas. Someone who I think is a sleeper is Oche Agbaji, who you might have heard me talk about before. Um, if you followed me in the last three years, I was a huge fan of his when he took off his red shirt uh, status and just started going off the second he came in. Obviously, he's toned down a little bit, but he's one of the best athletes in the country, really, uh, and he would be one of the best athletes in the NBA. I, I remember seeing him last year at TCU, and his head was above the rim multiple times in the pregame dunks. Uh, he, he's an effortless athlete, could potentially shoot a, by the jump shot better than the production shows. You know, he has 39% this year from three, which is much improved over 34% last year, but his overall efficiency is still low. He, he gets to his shots, but he's so raw, so the consistency just isn't there. He's averaging 14 points per game. This is a team that Kansas is kind of, they don't have a main guy. So if Agbaji gets hot, look for his name to start skyrocketing. The last one in this region, I'm going to go down to the 7-10 matchup of Oregon versus VCU, which is probably the most must-watch matchup in that first round, if you ask me. Just from an NBA perspective, got 6-6 guard Chris Duarte on Oregon going against 6-3 guard Nashawn Highland. And they kind of play opposite guard positions. Highland is a shot creator. You know, he averaged 19.5 points per game, 
two assists, two steals, five rebounds on 45% and 37 from three, really can create his own shot with the best of them in this class. Meanwhile, Duarte is a two-way specialist who is an incredible shooter. He's 23. I think he's going to be 24 by the time the draft starts. So you've got a guy who, you know, we see every year these these older players get overlooked. Chris Duarte really might be this year's overlooked player. He's, in my opinion, the best defensive playmaker at guard. He just forces turnovers one way or another, whether it's through the passing lanes, whether it's on ball. He will hound you, and he's got the size to have that translate. So he also shot 52%, if all of that wasn't enough, from the field and 17 points per game. Just a really well-rounded player. Um, you know, last year a lot of people liked Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. I personally was bigger on Duarte, thought he was the better player just overall. You know, he took a huge production boost this year without Pritchard. Um, so he's someone that I, I really do see taking off. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the East and South regions. That's the Michigan and Baylor regions. Uh, get some prospects in those fields. But first, I wanted to talk to you about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever ever need. RockAuto.com. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. So I'm going to go over two regions this time. I know I did one the last segment. Uh, this is going to be the east and the south region, so that's the Michigan and Baylor region. So just diving right into it, um, no real sleepers in the first two games of LSU, St. Bonaventure's. Um, it, so I'm just going to go straight to Colorado and Georgetown. Uh, so there's a, two guys in this one I like. Both are pretty fringe prospects. I do see McKinley Wright from Colorado as a breakout candidate. He's a six-foot guard, kind of post-minded. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a really strong guard. He's a member of the Pac-12 all-defense team, three times all-Pac-12 member. Um, for the year this year, 15.5 points a game, 5.5 assists, four rebounds on 48%. Shot 31% from three. As you can tell, like when I said post-minded guard, that's not exactly a recipe for a modern guard. He does have problems shooting the ball. I don't think they're major. The, the free throw percentage, you know, kind of shows that. I think if Colorado makes a run, look for his name as a potential second-round pick as the draft gets closer. You know, senior guards, like I said earlier, just aren't that favored. Um, but he's someone who I can see making an impact. And on the other end, there's a player who this is a very deep sleeper, but uh, former top recruit, I think he's a top 100 recruit. That's Jamorco Pickett. 
He's on Georgetown. He's a 6'9 forward. Lanky can do pretty much a little bit of everything. Um, the only problem for him is that he's very inefficient, but he's skilled in the size and skill combination. Plus, he's athletic, will draw teams. You know, he shot 38% from three, 83% from the line, but 39% overall. So a little bit hard to see what he does in the NBA. He's kind of a slashing forward that can step out and shoot the three. Uh, just wanted to shout him out since he's a guy who I see as getting a two-way contract once he enters the NBA. So going down in the bracket just a little bit more, going to go down to UNC Greensboro and Florida State. This one's actually someone who I found out about recently watching the conference tournaments and looked him up. And the the stats really jumped out, and the play was really nice, too. Uh, so this is the Southern Conference Player of the Year uh, two times, I should say. Three times he's been the Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. Just incredibly accomplished player. He's another six-foot guard. Uh, similar to the mold of McKinley Wright. Uh, you'll notice that, as I say, his three-point percentage. But he averaged 19 points per game, four assists, seven rebounds, almost three steals. Uh, and that was in only 31 minutes on 46, 47% from the field, but 21% from three. So hard to see him doing much there. But he's a dog. Like, he's going to make teams suffer on offense. His defense is outstanding. There's a reason he's a multiple-time um uh, Defensive player of the year almost every single year except all his years, excuse me, except his freshman year. He won defensive player of the year. So something's to be said for that. It's a pretty rare achievement. So I do think that he will get a look maybe on a two-way. Maybe you'll see him in Vegas in the summer league. Uh, so that's someone who I wanted, another guy who really deep sleeper, but someone to watch if UNC Greensboro does somehow make a run um, and beat Florida State or even keep it tight at someone who gets some name recognition. So going down yet again, I'm going down to that 314 matchup of Texas versus Abilene Christian. And this is a guy who I, I do see Texas winning this. I know some people have pegged that as an upset. But looking at, and it's not Kai Jones, it's not Matt Coleman, it's not Courtney Ramey, it's not Andrew Jones. There's another player who I think is just lost in plain sight, and that's Jericho Sims. So he's someone who I thought I thought he'd just be a good college player. Until this year, I really saw his role. I feel like even with the production kind of dropping off all across the board, he got better. You know, his field goal percentage went up. That's pretty much the only area that improved. But they played him in a perfect role next to Kai Jones, which makes me think he could be that combo 4-5 on offense. And as a Mavs fan, I've seen Dwight Powell play the same role. Even though he's a very controversial player on Mavs Twitter, he's someone who a year ago, before tearing his Achilles, and even before that, he was one of the best role men in the league. He was outstanding in the pick and roll because he's just such an athletic player that in the pick and roll, if you had him and Luca, it was pretty hard to stop. So I think if you get Jericho Sims on a team, you know, shoot 69% from the field, crazy athletic, um, just does all the, just does everything right. He doesn't do anything flashy and he plays a very niche role. And I think in the NBA, being a pick and roll finisher like him with his athleticism could take him places. Now, there's not much hope for a jump shot on him. If you're wondering, you know, could a team develop it? He shot 50% this year from the line on a career-high attempts of almost four a game. Really nothing there, but he could potentially, you know, block some shots, maybe be a neutral defender, I think, if everything goes well, which if you can be a neutral defender and be an elite pick-and-roll player, that's going to take you places. I mean, again, I've seen that with Dwight Powell, who became a key rotation player for the Mavs over the years. Um, so he's... He's someone, again, keep an eye on. You know, a lot of people are going to be watching Kai Jones, Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones. Um, 
there's there's a lot of players on that Texas team, but Jericho Sims is the guy who gets the least recognition. For the last game, the last team, I should say, in this region, I've got Alabama. There's two guys that I just, for whatever reason, they don't have enough attention, and that's senior and also SEC player of the year, Herb Jones, who is an incredibly improved player all around. He improved his three-point percentage from 8% last year on half an attempt a game to 39% this year on 1.7 per game. And just has improved everything across the board. You know, his ball handling has been outstanding. He's run the offense at times. An elite defender, I think. He's a two-time All-SEC defense player, defensive player of the year this year, as well as the player of the year. He's someone who just, he doesn't get enough attention. He's not a crazy athlete or anything. He's not explosive at all. But if you take away the athleticism, a guy with 6'8 that does what he does as a almost like secondary ball handler with elite defense, being able to guard pretty much two through four at a very high level, that's good. that's got value in this league. I mean, you see guys who can only play defense and are still on the court that can't do anything else. Herb Jones brings a lot of other things to the table. So I think he's another player who, even though he just did win the SEC and you know, he kind of got some name recognition throughout the tournament, I think he's someone who hasn't really gotten enough. And then just a quick shout-out, if you're wanting a 2022 player, Josh Primo is probably that guy, really good shot creator, quick handle, just quick overall, really good shooter, and he has decent size at 6'6 as a combo guard. So that's another guy to watch for. He may have some big moments for Alabama, but probably a 2022 recruit. So moving over to the south region, that's the Baylor-led region, I'm going to go three games in, nothing really in the Wisconsin, North Carolina in terms of sleepers. I think most people know Dayron Sharp on North Carolina by now, and people know Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. Um, so for Villanova, this guy, if you know who I am or anything, like have followed me for more than a day, you've probably seen me tweet about Jeremiah Robinson Earl, so I'll keep this short. If they win without Colin Gillespie, who's their best, arguably their best player uh, and the star point guard for them, I think it's going to be a lot to do with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he has a huge chance to break out and kind of live up to that lottery status that I have pegged on him. I think he's a jack-of-all-trades, elite basketball IQ, can shoot the ball, can handle it a little bit, really good passer, uh, just does everything right. I think he's a decent defender, even if he is a little bit stiff, and, and I talked about him last week as well, if you're wanting a breakdown of that. Um, so he's someone who to watch if they win. He's going to get a lot of credit and a lot of national recognition. Player I have as a sleeper in this region is Utah State's Nemias Keita. Um, I might not have said that right, and I apologize. He's someone who I was pretty low on last year, despite last year arguably being a little bit better of a year in terms of efficiency. You know, went from 62% to 58 on the year, but he improved his free throw percentage by 4% points, uh, up to 71% career high in points, up to 10 rebounds. He averaged a double-double. Really athletic shot blocker, three a game now, went up from 1.7. Uh, kind of put it together a little bit more this year. He's someone who could be looked at at the end of the second round, I think. I think he's a guy who is still pretty raw and needs to put it together, but the tools are there. He's seven foot and a great athlete. Continuing down that region, I'm going to go down to Florida and start with Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis. Um, those are two guys they are playing probably – Point guard for Trey Mann could be a combo guard in some lineups. Uh, he's a six-five, really outstanding point guard. He's a traditional point guard now. Runs a mean pick and roll, pretty hard to stop around screens. Shoots forty percent from three, forty-five percent overall. Uh, stands at six-six. 
uh, six five, six six, averages a steal and a half, does a lot of stuff. And without, I, I doubt they're going to have Omar Payne. If you haven't seen what he did in the SEC tournament, it's pretty easy to see why he might not play. He uh, elbowed John Fulkerson in the face. It was pretty malicious. I doubt he's eligible for this. So Florida has a little bit of a, a uphill battle. So I don't know how far they're going to go. But if Florida does well, I think these two guys are the guys to watch. So Trey Mann's the the offensive minded guy. But on the other end, you have Scotty Lewis, who's a six five shoot, shooting guard wing is what I would classify him as. Freak athlete, monster defender, crazy long arms, probably the best pound for pound defender in the class. Uh, needs to add a lot of strength, speaking of pound for pound, but he's a monster on defense, and whoever he matches up against in the NCAA tournament is going to have nightmares. He's someone who I just would not want to face, and I think he's going to get quite a reputation as the best defensive prospect that he is. And the last player in this region, I'm going to go down to the 215 game, and this is actually not on the two-seed Ohio State, but actually on 15-seed Oral Roberts. And that's someone, if you've watched any Oral Roberts this year. You've seen Max Abemus play. Uh, you know, opened the season against Missouri with 18 points, then started playing bigger competition as well, played Wichita State, had 28, had 36 against Oklahoma State, 20 against Oklahoma, uh, only 11 against Arkansas to close out out of conference. That was a down game for him. But he's made some noise all year. Uh, just a really fun player, I would say. Averaged 24 points a game with four assists and three rebounds and had that all on 49% shooting from the field with 44% from three and 90% from the line. So that's almost 50, 40, 90. Um, he's six one, which is the downside. He's probably not going to get drafted, but if you're looking for that fun electric guard that could make noise, go to Oral Roberts and you're going to, you're not going to regret that. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the Midwest region. Just a few prospects on that one. Unfortunately, uh, not, not a deep region there. Um, but when I get back, we'll talk about that. Uh, but first, just a word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are, of course, in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, and has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. And use promo code Locked On with one word. So we've been telling you about the Built Bar. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Mint Brownie versus Toffee Almond. This one's a close one for me. Um, I'm personally more of a Mint Brownie guy, so I, I think that's going to end up being the winner. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, but go to go to builtbar.com or at built underscore bar on Twitter to keep up with the madness. And remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. That's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. 
Increasing your basketball IQ starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you the most in-depth scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get podcasts. All right, so coming back to the final parts of the NCAA tournament, I'm going to run through the Midwest region. You know, this one's a region that's pretty thin on sleepers, I think. I I have four, three, four guys identified on this one. I'm going to start with Georgia Tech, who I can't believe I'm saying that this guy's a sleeper after the year he's had. But I'm starting off with Moses Wright, and that is the ACC Player of the Year and a member of the ACC All-Defense team. He's a crazy athlete, plays pretty much the the forward spot. I, I don't know if he can be a small forward, but at the very least, he has a modern power forward, um, can shoot a little bit. He can step out and shoot. You know, free throw percentage is only 66%, which is a strong indicator of shooting. Meanwhile, the three-point percentage is up at 41%, but he didn't take many threes. He took 29 all year, and he took 29 last year. So not not a ton of promise there, but his athleticism is really his calling card. He's a really good shot blocker. He's a great uh, he's great in the passing lanes, good on-ball defender. Really, his athleticism drives him on that end. Plus, he's an intelligent defender, so you can understand why he was an all-defense selection. So I think he's someone who gets a lot of traction towards draft time. You know, last year, people weren't really talking about um, Emmanuel Quickly, excuse me, after he won his SEC Player of the Year. But he eventually got traction and ended up going first round. I'm not going to say that the same thing is going to happen to Moses Wright, but his his gain in this tournament throughout the ACC tournament, winning the tournament, um, and likely being a team that could give Illinois some trouble should they beat Loyola Chicago, it could really give him a name. So that's a guy I think you should watch. Uh, moving down slightly down in the bracket, I'm, I'm going to skip over Tennessee and Oklahoma State. I think we all know the stars on those teams. Moving down to Syracuse, they have two guys who I'm big on. Uh, I also was big on Elijah Hughes last year, so take it how you will. I, I've started to fall for these Syracuse guys a little bit more than I ever thought I would because I grew up hating the 3-2 zone they run. But there's two guys I like on there that I think could make some noise, and the first one is Alan Griffin. He's a combo guard. I would say he runs the point at Syracuse. Uh, it's a little bit tricky with the offense with Buddy Beheim, but really good athlete. Great in the passing lanes. He benefits a lot from that zone, but he's also a guy who could thrive man-to-man defense as well. Can shoot, can get to the basket, good athlete, uh, pretty well-rounded. I would personally take a gamble on him in the final five picks in the second round and not worry about it. And then the other guy I'm high on from Syracuse is Quincy Garrier. He's a power forward for them. I think he ultimately would be a small ball five in the NBA. He's done a lot of that at Syracuse. Shot 50% in the regular season or pre-tournament, um, 30% from three, 70% from the line. So it doesn't jump out as you, you know, as a, as a big shooter, but his ability to stretch the defenses out, he can shoot off the dribble a little bit. Uh, nothing crazy. He's not going to pull up on you like after ISOing you, but he can spot up, can hit shots on the move. Uh, really good mid-range shot. I think he's someone who is going to get a good amount of attention if, uh, If they can beat San Diego State, they meet West Virginia. He could be the guy who I don't want to put too much hope, who high hopes on him because Derek Culver is no easy task. But if he matches up well against Derek Culver, you're going to see Quincy Garrier take off a lot. You know, he's averaging one block, one steal a game. 
nine rebounds, 14 points. So he does a lot. He does a lot on that team with minimal usage. Uh, even though he takes 11 shots, he's not really stopping the ball or holding the ball very long. So he's someone else on Syracuse that even though they're not a popular team uh, translating to the NBA that I like. And then the last guy, uh, the last two, excuse me, I, I, I can't leave off one of these, but it's a potential second-round matchup where they would probably face each other, and that's Rutgers' Ron Harper Jr., Ron Harper is, uh, Ron Harper Jr. obviously is the son of former NBA player Ron Harper. Uh, one of the better shooters in the class. Three level score to an extent. I don't know how much he shoots at the rim next, in the next level, but he's going to get drafted. Uh, shot 56% from the field. Excuse me, 46%. Uh, 32% from three, which really doesn't do his numbers, his shooting ability justice. Um, had an absolutely terrible cold spell after a great hot start to the year. I, I don't think that's an accurate assessment of his shooting ability, but he can put the ball in the basket. Um, not really sh- concerned about him at all. And then the next guy, the final guy, would be a potential matchup on uh, on the Sunday, I think it would be Sunday or Mon- Saturday game, one of those two. I don't know which one they play on, uh, so forgive me on that. But that's Dejan Giroux. Giroux um, he's a 6'5 combo guard to an extent, kind of wing. Uh, he's a dirty work guy. He will make – your wife miserable on the offensive end. He's a defensive hound, and he'll likely guard Ron Harper Jr. should they match up. I think that would be a really fun one. Uh, so those are some guys to remember in the Midwest. Um, just some predictions if you're interested to close out the show. My final four, uh, this is subject to change, so uh, I'm going to tweet this out anyways, but I think I'm pretty set on my final four. I have Gonzaga playing UConn in the final. I also – I should say I also have a terrible bias where I put all the NBA players in the final four. Uh, that's why my brackets are always terrible because that's not actually how it works. And then on the other end, I have Arkansas and Houston. I have Gonzaga and Arkansas meeting in the title game. This would be huge for Moses Moody's uh, draft stock if you're a big fan of him. And I have Gonzaga blowing out Arkansas in the finals. So that's what I've got. Um, but feel free to, you know, mention me with your predictions. I'd love to hear it. I am open to change if that is a dumb take, what I made. Uh, I know Gonzaga, I'm pretty sold on them. I think they're the best team since Kentucky in 2012. But So I'm sold all the way on them. You can't really change my mind on that. But I'd love to hear your predictions, too. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. You know, be sure to like and subscribe and rate five stars and all that good stuff. It uh, really means a lot to us as we're still beginning to grow this channel back. Uh, as always, you can find me at Mavsdraft on Twitter. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope it's been a fun one.